Welcome to the Victor Orlando Podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Today, the word of the Lord is, this is what we do. This is what we do. Tell your neighbor, say, this is what we do. Tell your second choice, now they know where they stand. Tell them, say, this is what we do. This is what we do. We know that Jesus is the one who taught us about this whole idea of foundations and what we build our lives on. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he said, he's speaking and he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. Jesus has given us a recipe for how to live wise in this life, right? If you want to have wisdom, you want to be wise, listen to his words, put them into practice, right? And he's telling us there's a foundation that, that's important. It's building the foundation on the rock. Why is the foundation so important? He says, because the rains came, streams rose, winds blew, and beat against that house. But that house did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. So Jesus is teaching us that the foundation is what determines success or not. Foundation is what determines whether you have a freak out or not when you get a bad report. Foundation is so important. So he's saying it's not enough just to know about the Bible. It's not enough to have just memorized some scriptures and be able to rattle them off. It's, it's about knowing him personally. It's about having a relationship with him. Does he know you and does, do you know him? Does he talk to you and you talk to him? Relationship, right? Are we surrendered to him? Do we trust him? Do we have relationship with him? That's what it is, right? Because there's just, the reality is, is we're just going to have some bad days in this life. In 2019, we'll have some bad days. It's quiet in the house. That's okay, because I know what you're thinking. Wow, pastor, church is supposed to be encouraging. You're supposed to build me up. I'm supposed to be positive. Okay, I'm positive. You're going to have some bad days in 2019, right? It's just the facts of life. And listen, don't get me wrong. We're not like looking for bad days. I'm not expecting bad days. I'm expecting every day to be great. But I just know sometimes there's going to be bad days. But we just need to wake up with a little more expectation for what God is going to do. We don't, we don't need to be worried about bad days. I'm going to plan and I'm going to prepare so that when those bad days come, I'm, I'm not taking, I'm not, I'm not wiped out, right? But I'm just going to wake up with thanksgiving in my heart, with praise on my lips. Lord, this is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't matter what comes my way because I've been building my life on God's word. So bring it on, baby, because I'm ready, right? Like, bad days are going to come, but it doesn't have to wreck us, right? Our, our, our past doesn't have to dictate how we act today, right? Just because you have a family history of whatever doesn't mean that, that uh, today, Today is the day of salvation. Today, I can, I can affect today. So what happened in the past, what happened in my family doesn't dictate today or tomorrow. I decide what about today and tomorrow. So we just need to make some decisions. God wants us to grow deeper. He wants our roots to grow deeper, to have deeper understanding, to have a, a deeper level of trust, to have a, a deeper place of surrender with him, a, a deeper relationship where we get past all this surfacey stuff. Like, like move past that and get to a place with him where, where it's a deeper place because he has more for us, right? It's time. It's time. That's why I love these 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're, we just finished week two of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on, Jesus. Two-thirds of the way there. One more week to go. And then it's cheeseburger with bacon and, and steak and pizza. Jesus is moving in the house. <laughs> Woo! I'm getting hungry thinking about it. I had to... 
talk about that in two services. It's getting me double hungry. But we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. We do this every year at the beginning of the year because we want to put God first, not just talk about it or sing about it. We're going to do it. So we want to put him first, and we just recognize we want to seek him before we do anything else. So if you, if you haven't been fasting with us, it's okay. It's not too late to join. We got seven more days, so you can join us this week. We have prayer every night at the team center. You're all invited. Come as many nights as you can, 7 to 7.30. It'll be a blessing to your life. So we're basing our lives on God's word. We've got to begin to understand the word better if we want to build our lives on something. If we want to get past the word being just a, a discipline, a spiritual thing that we do, something that we do to feel better, right? And so many of us are in this place. Well, pastor said I need to read the Bible, so I guess I like, we need to grow to the place where it's, it's much more than that, where it becomes something that we love, right? We're like, I can't wait to read the Bible because th there's something there that God has for me. God's going to speak to me as I read his word today. So if we're going to get to that place where we have more of that type of experience with the word, we've got to grow in our understanding of it. That is more than a book. So I want to give us some, a couple things today to help us in growing in our understanding because it's, it's in developing that understanding we're able to love things more. I know when Heather and I first got married, uh, you know, we were in love and I loved her so much. I love her more today, but I just didn't understand her a whole lot back then. <laughs> On 15 years later, I'm still growing in my understanding. You can pray for me. Ladies, y'all just sometimes can be difficult to understand for us guys, and that's okay. That's, that's what we do. We work together, right? We're going to get it. Reminds me of the story that I heard this week of this guy, and uh, he is out on the beach in California, and he finds this genie bottle, right? And he picks it up, and he rubs it. Genie comes out, and he says, I'll give you one wish, anything you want. And the guy's like, awesome. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I don't like flying. I've never been able to afford it and all this stuff. So I, could, could you just make me a bridge and then I can just drive there and that'll be good. And then I can go to Hawaii. The genie's like, um, I don't think you understand the difficulty that it would take, all the man hours that it would take, all the materials, the concrete, the steel, the rebar. It's just It'd be so much. And, and to have those things go all the way down to the ocean floor. I don't think you know what you're asking. You need to ask for something else. So the guy's like, Okay, so he's thinking for a minute. He says, can you help me understand my wife better? And Jeannie says, one lane or two. <laughs> That's funny right there. I don't care what you say. That's funny. We just need to grow in our understanding sometimes so that we develop, develop more of a love for something, more of an appreciation. That's why I'm so excited about the Bible college that we're beginning here in February here at the church. It's just for people who want to grow in, the under, in their understanding of the word. So just getting in that environment, just getting more involved in the word and just growing in our understanding, growing, learning more about the nature of God and his character and how he operates and how we operate with him and the gifts of God working inside us. So if you're interested in that, send us an email or a message on social media. We'd love to get you connected into the Bible college here starting next month. So I want to give us a couple things that are going to help us today in growing in our understanding of the Word and the Bible. Some facts maybe that you maybe did or didn't know. The Bible is the most read book in history. Did you know that? The Bible is the, the best-selling book in history. It's the most translated book in history. It's a book like no other. Check this out. The Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years in over a dozen countries on three continents in three main languages by about 40 writers who were from all different walks of life. That's pretty crazy. Think about that for a minute, what it would take to, to make that all happen. If it wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough of the, the amazement of the Bible is that the whole thing 
weaves together as one continuous thread and never contradicts itself. That's amazing. So 40 people across all these years, across these different languages and continents and countries, God was able to do this thing. There's 40 different writers. It's, it's, it'd be easy to think that that could happen if there was one writer, right? We think about other uh, religious texts that are out there, like the Quran. It was written by one writer, Muhammad. The Analects of Confucius, one writer. The writings of Buddha, one writer. Here we have 40 writers writing what we call the Bible, the Word of God, the Scriptures. How is it possible? Because while there was 40 writers, there was really only one author, and that was God. Let me show you in Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all Scripture. Everybody say all. All Scripture. In case you're wondering, all still means all. That's every part of it. Not any one part is left out. All Scripture is, ba- is, is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Come on, that's good. So God is speaking to people. The, the process of how the Bible was written through all these writers, there's 40 writers, one author. God, by the power of his spirit, is speaking to people, and they're, through his power, they're, they're, they're writing on the page, on the pen, right? God is the author of the scriptures. So when we read the Bible, what we're reading is God's autobiography, right? It's his, his story of, of redemption, his story of creation, and of all the things in there, right? What's interesting about the Bible, one of the things that I love the most about the Bible is that it's full of people who are imperfect, who are messed up, who didn't get it right, who feel broken, who often felt abandoned, felt alone, felt angry sometimes. I know y'all are looking good today. I know none of y'all can probably relate to feeling imperfect or not getting it right. I know I do in my own life, but man, I'm just so thankful. It gives me hope because God still used those people. God used the messed up and the broken, those who weren't perfect and didn't always get it right. God used them to change the world. And it's the same with us. It inspires me. Like, if God can use them, what can he do with me? God, I'm available. I'm, I'm surrendered to you. I'll trust you. Do what you will through my life. What God can do with a surrendered heart is greater than he can do with any person who pretends they're perfect. God doesn't need us to be perfect. He's not looking for a perfection. He's looking for hearts who are turned towards him. And it's just us posturing our heart to be in a place of surrender to say, God, do what you want in me. I am yours and not my own. That's a good place to say amen. I got to get y'all stirred up this morning. Gives me hope. Gives me hope. Only God could weave all these details together throughout all these years. Prophecies that were, that were written and declared hundreds of years before they ever took place and all those things that happened and God's weaving all these details together. You know, um, I was thinking about how we meet in an elementary school here, which is awesome. We're back in school. When I was in school, my teachers, when they were teaching like grammar or math or something there, always would say, like, you're going to use this one day when you grow up. And I always thought, I'm never going to use this. Well, today, we're going to use some sentence structure in church, baby. So I guess they were right. Well, I just thought we're in, in church, in a school. We ought to talk about sentence structure. You know, when they teach you about the subject and the predicate and the adverb and the adjective and all that stuff, and you're drawing diagrams. And we're going to use some sentence structure today. So if we look at the Bible And you were to ask people, what's the subject of the Bible? Every sentence has a subject, right? What's the subject of the Bible, right? Oftentimes people, I heard the answer already over there. Oftentimes people might think it's us, but we're not the subject of the Bible. Jesus is the subject of the Bible. Come on, somebody. Jesus, it's all about him. 
He's the center of it all. It's all about Jesus, right? He's the center of all. He's the subject. We're the object, right? We're the object of this, right? It's all about Jesus. Jesus said it this way. He was speaking uh, to the religious people, the religious leaders in John chapter 5, verse 39. He said, you study the scriptures diligently. And he wasn't talking about the Bible that we have because the, the New Testament wouldn't have been written when he, he's saying this, right? It was just the Old Testament scriptures, the Old Testament books that they would have had. He said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in that you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, but you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is just saying, it's not about memorizing the scriptures. That's a good thing to do. But that's not where life is. There's life is in relationship with him and in knowing him, right? Why is it so important to know the scriptures? Because when we read the word, we find Jesus, right? So if you want to know Jesus, read the word. Read the Bible, find Jesus. Come on, that's good, right? People say all the time, I wish I, God would just speak to me. I wish I knew God's will. God, what's your will for me? Listen, read the word, know God's will. God's word is his will. You want God to speak to you? Begin to read the word. Every time you read the word and open the pages, God is speaking to you. He wrote all those down so that you would have a way to know who he was and what he thought about and his character, his nature, and how he acted and how he wanted us to follow him, right? So when we read the word, we begin to know him, right? Scripture says that when we begin to read the word, it's like looking into a mirror and we see a reflection of ourselves, who Christ is and who he's called us to be, that we are more than conquerors, that we are overcomers, that greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Greater is the power of Christ in me than the wrong desires that war against me, right? Like we begin to read the word. It shows us who we're meant to be, who we really are. But if I never get in there, I'm never going to know who God created me to, me, me to be. I'm never going to know the purpose that God has for me. I'm never going to understand his will because it's all in the word. That's why scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Have you ever thought about that? What is he talking about? Why is the word alive and powerful? Because Jesus is alive and powerful. Okay, let's, let's rewind a little bit, right? John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, who are they talking about? He's talking about Jesus. So when we see him writing in Hebrews and he says, the word is alive and powerful, he's talking about Jesus. The word, it's not, it's not just words on a page that we read. We read the Bible. We're finding Jesus in there because he's alive and powerful. And what it says, it says that the word comes inside of us and it divides all the way down between soul and spirit. All right, what does that mean? That means that there's parts of me that want to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. That want to figure it out. I want to keep it all to myself. Like, this is my part, God. This is your part. Well, the word comes in and, and, and divides that. It begins to cut that out so that that can move out of my life so that then more of God can move into my life. Right? That's what the word is doing. It's, it's dividing the parts of me that I want to keep just me and, so that God can come in into every part of my life. The word is working in our lives. So we read the word. We find Jesus. So Jesus is the subject. We're the object. What's the verb? Sentences need a verb, right? So often if we were to ask people, and many of you are thinking now, the verb is love, right? And uh, sometimes what people would say it's go, go, make disciples. And I would say those are really motivation for what the verb that I believe the verb of the Bible is. I believe the ber- verb of the Bible is found in the most famous scripture in the Bible, not by coincidence, by the way. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God didn't just have love. 
He is love. Right? Scripture says God is love. And he didn't just leave it there. He gave love to us. So the verb of the Bible is give. It's give all the way from the beginning, Genesis, all the way to the end. Do you see it? It's how God was giving Jesus to people. He was giving himself to his people. That's that's good. See, we got to begin to read the Bible through that lens that God is giving. Like, that's, that's who God is. That is a, it's centered through Jesus. When we begin to read the Bible through that lens, then we begin to understand what we do in a different way. This is what we do. God gives to us, and then we give our lives to him, right? God gave this the life of his son, his only son, Jesus, for us. So what do we do in return? We give our lives to him. This is what we do. We give to him, right? It's because of what God did. This is what we do, right? Tell your neighbor, say, this is what we do. It's the spirit of generosity. It's, it's what it is. It's the spirit of generosity. And looking around this room, I see so many amazing, generous, passionate people in this place. And we're making a difference here in our city and around the world because of generosity. Generosity is amazing because it's faith-filled, right? It changes atmospheres. It makes a difference everywhere it goes. I'm going to show you that today in the scripture. I know as soon as I said give and generous, the enemy started coming in and trying to fill minds with lies. It says, well, God just wants something from you. Pastor just wants you to blah, blah, you know. <laughs> I'm just telling you, the devil's a liar. So often people like get uptight about talking about money in church for a lot of reasons. One of them is because uh, a lot of people live in a cycle of lack. They have a lack mentality. You can hear it. You can hear it in our language, right? When people have lack, it's like, oh, I don't know if there's gonna be enough. I just gotta make sure I can make it to the end. There's just always more, more month than money. I just, I wish I could give, but I just, I can't. I just, we, people live with the lack mentality. It's scarcity, it's fear, it's never enough. And we just gotta realize God has something better for us. The problem is that lack is a cycle and you gotta, you gotta break that cycle and get into a different cycle in order to see some different results. The cycle is, right, we know God supplies. God gives us what we have, right? So God supplies to us. Then what do we do, right? The first thing we do when we live with this lack mentality, scarcity mentality, is the first thing we do is consume. We think it's ours, so we spend it on whatever we want or need because it's ours and it's in our hands, so we, we consume it, right? Then what happens is then we don't have enough. We get to the place. Now we don't have enough to make it through the month, and now we lack because we consumed what God blessed us with. And I don't know about y'all, but I know from my own life, when I was in places of lack, the most dominant emotion when you don't have enough is fear. Then we fear. Right? What's going to happen? I don't know. And people do crazy things when they're living a life of fear, right? And then the cycle repeats. Okay, God's going to supply to us, but then we consume, and then we lack, and then we fear. And then it's a cycle that continues, and we've got to get to the place where we grow beyond that. God has something greater for us, but tragically, so many people live in that cycle. So many Christians live their entire Christian life in that cycle, praying for God's blessings and never really living in the wholeness that God has for them. 
It's time for us to break some cycles, to break some mindsets. We've got to change some mindsets. We've got to change some patterns so that we can adopt some new mindsets and some new patterns. That's why scripture says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be pushed into the form that the world says has to be. To be successful, you have to be this. To be financially secure, you have to do this. Like, don't be conformed to that. Be renewed by the, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? That's what scripture is telling us. So we've got to move out some old mindsets. We've got to move out some patterns so we can adopt the ones that God has for us. So what do we do? What do we do? We give generously. Here's, here's the process. We give generously. Please don't see an incomplete picture of generosity. Right? If all generosity is to you is money, you are missing out on the wholeness that God has for you. There's wholeness that God has for you. There's wholeness. It's everything. It's not lacking anything. It's, it's wholeness, right? Think about for a minute, um, if you were to order a pizza, you've been fasting for 21 days, Next Sunday, you get home and you dial up Domino's. You got them on speed dial because you've been waiting. You've been ready for that large, extra large pepperoni and some cheesy bread. You're ready for it. And that marinara sauce, is, it's good stuff. And you're, you're ready. You're waiting. The pizza guy comes. You give him a good tip in Jesus' name. And you get that pizza and the pizza box is warm. How many of you know it's good to hold a warm pizza box? Something just feels right about that. You get there, you set it on the table, everybody's gathered around, you're ready to eat, you open up that pizza box, and there's one slice in there. I said, I'm saying, no, that ain't right. You'll be upset, you'd be, give me the phone, let's call Domino's, give me a new pizza. That's right. But so often we approach God in the same mentality and we just see one little thing. Oh, this is generosity. I guess I better just put money in there. And that's all it is. Generosity is way more than money. The same thing with God's blessings. God's blessings is way more than money coming back to you. That's part of it. But don't just accept one little piece because that's what the enemy wants you to live in. He wants you just to, if, well, if you're going to experience the goodness of God, just let it be just this little, little bit. No, God has wholeness for us. It's prosperity. It's never lacking what we need. It's, it's peace. It's joy. It's restoration. It's abundance. It's anointing. His blessing is full. There's nothing lacking. We've got to begin to get a bigger picture to back up and see everything that God has for us. It's like if someone were to walk up to you and hand you, you're walking out of church today, you're, you got that skip in your step, you're like, all right, I'm ready. And somebody walks up to you and hands you a check for $1,000. You'd be Pentecostal. You'd be praying in tongues. You'd be praising Jesus in the house. You know what I'm saying. Some of y'all got a hanky be pulling it out. There'd be praise that goes up because you'd be like, I'm blessed in this moment. And you're right. That is a blessing. I'm just saying, it's just a greater blessing. If we really want to be blessed and experience what God has for us, I'm just, it's just so much greater of a blessing to be the one handing the check to the person. Why? At Victory, we think of generosity this way. We truly believe it's more blessed to give than receive. That's why we gladly lead the way with intentional generosity. Come on, that's good. This is what we do. This is what we do. Because of what God does, this is what we do. Let me show you in Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, Remember this, 
Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's just definition of the principle right here. So the amount of blessing that we receive is directly proportionate to how much we sow, how much we give, right? He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So don't feel pressured to give. Ah, doesn't that feel nice? Don't feel pressured to give. Listen, don't feel pressured to serve. Don't feel pressured to share the good news of the gospel. We just have adopted a different mindset as people who follow Jesus. This is what we do. We do it cheerfully, joyfully. We love it, right? We're not doing it under pressure. No one's twisting our arms, right? That's what we say. Don't let anybody twist your arms. We just believe it's truly more blessed to give than to receive. So we gladly lead the way with intentional generosity. That's, this is what we do. This is, this is what Scripture how tells us how to live. What, we, we give generously. What does God do? Next verse. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Now here, listen for the theme in the next part. So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. What's the theme? All having all you need at all times and in all, all things, like you get the point that God doesn't want you to be lacking at any point. He doesn't want you to be missing out at any point. He wants you to be abounding in good works at all times, having abundance for every good thing that comes his way. It's who he is. It's his characteristics. It's his nature. That's what the word is teaching us in this place. It's this action word. The verb here is give, right? So what do we do? We give generously. What does God do? God supplies abundantly. It's not lack. It's not scarcity, right? It's not fear. There's no, no, one, no angels in heaven are worried about interest rates, <laughs> right? No one is concerned about gas prices, right? Because they understand there's, there's no lack. There's no scarcity. It's faith. It's faith. Paul continues, verse 10. says, now he, that's God, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So what does God do? God supplies abundantly. He gives us seed to sow which is great, right? Why is it great? Because we know that every part of our inheritance is wrapped up in seed form. So God is supplying everything that we need. He's given us the seed of his word. He's given us seed to sow. He's given us things in the natural to sow, right? He's given us seed to sow, something to plant, something to do something with, not something to hold on to. If a farmer keeps all their seed locked away in the barn, guess what? We ain't got nothing. There ain't going to be no dough at Pizza Hut because there's all the grain didn't get to grow, right? This farmer's got to do something with the seed that he has. God supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. What's the bread for food? That's what we need for this life. It's food. It's provision. It's, uh, it's shelter for our families, homes to live in. It's everything that we need in this life. Why do you think that Jesus said in Matthew, he said, when you pray and when you give and when you fast, don't worry. Right, because when we do those things, we're putting the kingdom first, and then he said, all these things will be added to you. It's the same, same principle right here. He said, and if that's not enough, he says, God will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So right there, we see in the word that God's will is for you to increase. 
It's not to decrease. It's not just to survive. It's not to skate by. It's not to make sure you just have enough. No, God's will is for you to increase even the store of your seed. So the seed that he's given you is even going to increase. God has increased for us. It's his will. He says you will be enriched in every way. Why are we enriched in every way? So we can be nervous, so we can be stingy, so we can be afraid, so we can sing how great we are. Look at this kingdom that I've built. No, we're increased in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion and through our generosity, we will result in thanksgiving to God. That's awesome. I love the result of our generosity. See, even our own generosity isn't about us. All right. When we express generosity, we think it's about something we're giving. He's saying when we express generosity, what happens that it, when we, the person that we're being generous to, it causes them to give thanks to God. It, causes, it makes a difference in their life, so they might be going through problems, and because you stopped and said, hey, are you okay? Can I pray for you? It caused them to be able to see above the storm and have hope in that moment. It changes the atmosphere. It makes a difference, our expression of generosity, right? When we begin to live this way, when we begin to live a generous life, it, generosity breaks the cycle of lack. So if you have a lack mentality, you, you've lived in that. Maybe that's your family tree, your family history. I know my own family, you know, I was raised in church. I was taught faith. I was taught generosity. But when we got home, we just lived in lack. That's just how it was. You know, we, uh, we, that's just how we lived. And I had to get to the place in my own life of, of, of breaking that cycle and, and creating a new one. Generosity breaks the cycle of lack and begins a new one. So what's the cycle of generosity? I'm glad you asked. The cycle of generosity is a little different. God supplies, right? And then what do we do? When God supplies, we give. First thing we do is we give because we understand that when God blesses us, we are stewards of it. And so we return the first part to him. Scripture teaches us that's what the tithe is. We return the first 10% to him through his church, right? Because God gave us the first. He gave us his best. So what do we do? We give him our first and we give him our best. Too often we do the opposite, right? We say, okay, I've got to pay the mortgage. I've got to pay the light bill and the electric bill. I've got to buy groceries. I've got to put gas in the car. I've got to pay for insurance and all these things. Okay, God, I guess this part is for you. God doesn't want that part. That's the leftovers. God wants the first part. That's the part he'll receive. So if you're just giving him the leftovers, I'm sorry, but he, he can't bless that. So we recognize in a generosity cycle that God supplies. We give, right? And then what happens? When we give to God first, he multiplies. So when we put seed in the ground, we begin to sow. What happens? He says, scripture says he takes that seed and he multiplies it. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, right? 100 times one single seed produces 100 times of what it's supposed to see, uh, produce. He, produce, he, he returns to us bigger, a harvest than we planted, right? And then what happens when we see God multiplying what we have? Faith begins to grow inside of us, right? Faith grows inside of us because now we've seen, man, God did what he said. Now I've got faith. Man, we gave. Look what God did. Let's give some more. So then what happens? God supplies. Then we give. Then God multiplies. And then faith grows in us again. Like, man, God, you are so good because you can never outgive God. You can never be more generous than God was to us. We've got to create a new cycle. We've got to get rid of some old patterns, get the old mindsets out, get some new ones put in. But it's going to take some change. Pastor, you're talking about rearranging my finances? Yep. Talking about rearranging my schedules and, and everything I'm involved in? Yep. It's going to stretch my faith? Yep. 
Come on. That's, that's the journey we're on. We're creating new cycles in us. So what does it look like for us to be the most generous church in the entire city of Orlando? I always say that. This is the most generous church in the entire city of Orlando. I believe it. That's who we are, and we're going to become even greater of that. That's, that's who we are. This is what we do, right? That's, that's why God has called us to deeper places, because people who just have surface can't operate in that level. God needs some people who can operate in some deeper levels that can handle some things, right? So how do we be the most generous church in Orlando? I just think it's time for us, like, let's, let's make 2019 our year to get rid of excuses. So often people are like, I wish I could give, but I can't. I'm strapped, whatever. That's okay. Don't feel condemnation, but let's just make a decision starting today. The Holy Spirit's speaking on you, drawing on your heart. Let's just make a decision today. All right, God, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get on a better track, get in Financial Peace University starting in just a couple weeks. I know it costs $95, but how about investing in your future instead of only investing in Hulu and Netflix? How about we start investing in the future of our families instead? Let's make a plan. Let's get on track so that a year from now, we don't have the same excuse, the same story, the same, I can't do this. I can't do that. Let's take 2019 and be our year to get on track. How about in our, in our time with our family? Oh, we just never have time enough. We can't serve because we're, I just, we don't have time. We can't be involved. We can't do this. How about we just stop making excuses and we just say no to some things that might be good so we can say yes to the best things that God has for us, right? Let's just change some things in our schedules. Our kids don't have to be in everything. Let's make some changes. <laughs> Let's make some changes so that we can say yes to where God's spirit is leading us and not just be yanked around all the time by everything of this life. Let's be purposeful and spirit-driven. So let's just make this our year of getting a plan, getting some things in order. Let's, let's do it. This is our year to build our lives on God's word. All right? That's why he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if we're in Christ, let's, let's, let's start acting like it. Let's start living like it. Let's start building our lives that way. We're going to see some great things. So I've got a few things I'm going to give us today, some practical things. That How are we going to be the most generous church in Orlando? These are, these are some of the ways. I want you to just write them down. And just this week, just pray and ask God, God, how can I be involved? What, what do you have for me? Right, and he'll speak to you. He always does. First one is tithing. So important. So important. Biblical definition of tithing is returning the first 10% of what God increases us with to him, through his church. Sometimes people are like, well, I gave my tithe there and there and there. No scripture clearly says Malachi chapter three. You need to read the whole chapter, Malachi three. He says, bring the whole tithes into the storehouse. That's the house where you're planted. So it's not here or there. We don't decide where it goes. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. A couple uh, weeks ago uh, in November, we preached a whole message uh, on this. And so I'm not going to rehash all that. Get back on the podcast. It'll be a blessing to you. It's on our website as well. You can listen to it. Tithing does a couple things in our lives. Tithing teaches us to put God first, right? It teaches us to put God first because God doesn't want the last. He doesn't want the leftovers. He only will accept the first. Tithing also builds our faith because it doesn't take any faith to give what's left over. It takes faith to give the first. Teaches us to put him first. Teaches us to build our faith. Yeah, I've just seen in my own lives. I've lived not tithing and not generous, and I've lived on the other side of tithing and being generous. And I've just learned and I've experienced that when God's involved, everything goes further than when he's not. 
time, money, mental effort, right? I just, I, I thought about it. And I just can't figure it out. Get God involved in your thinking. Everything goes further when he's involved than when he's not. So get him involved, right? Tithing also allows for the work of God to happen through his church, right? Sundays happen. You have a chair to sit in because someone was generous. We have a hope truck. We're able to go out and give groceries out. We're able to build 12 rescue homes in Southeast Asia in 12 months because of generosity, because of the amazing faith-filled generosity of people right here, of y'all in this church. Come on. It provides for the work of the church because it takes money to do some things. It takes resources to do some things, and that's what tithing does. Another thing that we're going to do, this is what we do, we give over and above. We, it's called offering. Scripture teaches us that if you want to really talk about giving, that's not the tithe. Giving is giving over and above the tithe because the tithe doesn't belong to us. So if we're talking about giving, that's a separate issue, right? Giving, like giving over and above our tithe. And what that is is a sacrifice, right? And it's not, sometimes we like to compare how much we gave. Well, they gave a lot more. And so, like, listen, it's not equal gifts. It's equal sacrifice, Right? So there's a story in the Bible of Jesus, and um, people, he's sitting back watching people give their money <laughs> in church. So picture, you know, when we do offering time here, which we'll do in just a moment, and but Jesus just sitting there, like, looking back, watching what everybody writes, looking over him and shoulders, seeing what, how big you write the check or, you know, whatever. That's a little, it's kind of funny. I, I hope you read humor in the Bible when you read it, because it's full of humor. It's just, it's just a funny situation. And it describes the scene of all the religious people, the leaders coming in, and just dumping in tons of gold into the, giving just, you know, big checks, the, the five-digit checks and all these things into the church. They're giving tons of gold. And then it's, we see the picture of this poor widow woman coming up with two tiny copper coins and putting those in. And Jesus says, she gave more than all of them. <laughs> what? you crazy. Give me the guy who can write the big check any day, Right? Jesus is saying they gave out of their abundance. There was no sacrifice involved for them. She gave out of everything she had. This is a sacrifice of worship. That's what generosity is. It's an act of worship to our Heavenly Father. That's what giving over and above is. Sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Another thing that we do, we're talking about this is what we do. We serve God by serving others. We serve God by serving others. So you need to get on a team. Get on a team here at the church and start serving somebody because you need to get out. We need, we need to get out of ourselves and start serving somebody else's needs, right? It's amazing what happens when you get in kids' church and you feel totally uncomfortable around a group of kids. I don't know what to say. And they just, they just want somebody there that will listen to them and talk to them. And, or you get in the nursery and you start rocking some babies. You get in the preschool class around some, some kids who are singing, you know, preschool songs. And then Wednesday, you're at your office typing and you start humming those preschool songs. It's all right serving somebody else. That's what we're called to do. We serve God by serving others. This is what we do. Another thing that we're doing, when you, um, at the end of your row, there's a stack of cards like this. You can reach those down. The ushers will come and help, help pass those out. There's little cards like this. Call them intentional acts of kindness cards. Some people call them random acts of kindness. I call them intentional because as people who follow Jesus, we understand that it's, it's not random. This is what we do. So it's not random. Other people see it as random because they don't understand it. They, oh, you're just doing this random. No, it's intentional. We live this way. We, we live to give. We truly believe it's more blessed to give than receive. So these little, we put these little cards together that said, just something extra to show you God loves you. So we just want to 
We just, people need to know sometimes if God loves them, right? Isn't that good to know? And so with these cars, I'm just, we're just going to take these cars and we're just going to do some things. There's so many ways we can use these cars out throughout the community this week to bless people, right? When we give our tithes and we give our offerings and we serve, it's, it's, through, it's through the church and to God, right? But this is between you and the person. This is us in the community. So what are we going to do? Maybe in the drive through line, you pay for the person behind them and just say, hey, just give them this card. Something extra to say God loves you. You know, you pay for somebody's gas. At, you go out to lunch today and you tip your waitress so big, like bigger than the check is. Come on, Jesus. And leave that little card there. Just something extra to say God. Like, I'm just saying, let's go out into the community and be the hands and feet of Jesus and just spread the love of God. Just bless the fire out of some people this week. Take a box of Dunkin' Donuts to church and I know you can't eat them because you're fasting and your car is going to smell delicious and the devil's going to come in and tempt you, right? Because God gives us all 12 donuts, but the devil makes me want to eat all 12. But just take those donuts to work open up, put them on the table and put some of these cards right next to them. It's like, let's bless some people this week, right? When you go in the grocery store, you know, it's, it's like, just, it's because we're on assignment. Everywhere we go, we're on assignment. God has assignment. So when you get, when you pull into Publix, park your car, this is what it sounds like. God, I'm going into Publix right now. Is there somebody that you have for me to bless? Who can I show your love to today? And then when you're, pushing your little basket around. You just got your spiritual antenna up like you're on high alert because God, I'm on assignment when I'm here today. I'm not just buying groceries. I, like I'm, I'm here to break chains off of people. I'm here to, to release anointing. I'm here to declare the, this is the acceptable year of the Lord, that Jesus is here to heal broken people. As that's where it gets fun, y'all. That's where it gets fun. That's what generosity is. That's why we say we'll gladly lead the way with intentional generosity. So, you know, be, do something nice for someone in your family today. Woo, somebody's going to be like, what is happening? What are you doing? They're going to be surprised when you start serving them when you get home. Yeah. And then find someone this week, find one person in the community, wherever you are, and just, just show them the love of God. And we're going we're gonna to change our community through the generosity that God showed us. Because of what God does, this is what we do. So why don't we just take a moment while we're gathered here? I know it went a little long today, but why don't we just take a moment and just bow our heads all across this room? Some of us have been living in the cycle of lack for so long, and we just feel stuck. You feel hopeless in it. I'm here to tell you today, it's not a hopeless situation that God has freedom for you. He has abundance for you. But it's just time to break some things. Maybe it's been a family generational curse of lack that has just been over you and over you, over generation after generation. Today is the day that stops. Today is the day we make some new decisions and I'm going to choose to live generously because God was so generous to me and gave me everything that he had and gave his life for me. I choose to live generously. And we're going to create a new cycle of generosity in our lives. We're going to teach our kids not to live in lack, but to live in generosity. We're going to teach them that God supplies and we give and then, then God multiplies and then faith grows. Maybe you're here today and you just feel like God is angry at you. You've literally, yeah, I felt like someone you felt like God is like shouting at you and shaking his finger at you because you feel like you messed up too bad. Listen, 
God is a loving Heavenly Father. And He loves you so much that He gave His only Son. He's not so concerned about that thing that you did as much as He is. As he wants to be close to you. He wants to draw you in. He wants to hold you and heal those places deep inside of you where it hurts, where you cry alone at night. He's a healer because He's a good Father. Maybe you've never known Him that way. But He's here today. All it takes is saying, God, I need you. God, I give you my life.